Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. I'm going to dive right into the word in the interest of time, but we are in a series that we started a couple weeks ago, and it's called Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World, and I have encouraged every one of you to lean in. Some of you are like, Pastor, I don't got kids. This is for you. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed, all scripture, not just the verses that fit your season of your life, but, but all scripture is God breathed and he's given it to us for many reasons and so today I just pray that you would listen in this is gonna be like a part two to last week and if if you didn't catch last week's message go online catch the message we talked about how do we give our kids the motivation that they need to accomplish the plans and the purposes that God has for their life when your kids are young they'll do something because you told them so just simply that you're like son would you pick that up what because I told you so they get a little older. Son, would you do this? Why? Because I told you so. And then they get older and they want, they, they want to know why. And then eventually they're out of your house. They're away from you and they have to be internally motivated because mom and dad, you're not always going to be there. And so the hard work is actually putting that intrinsic, that internal motivation into your children. For some of you that you might be struggling with some of that internal motivation, maybe we'll get something for you today as well. So let's go back to Psalms 127. We're going to read that same passage of scripture to you one more time. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows. Everybody say arrows. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Such a masculine verse right there. I love it. I love it. Are children born in one's youth? Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. For the next few moments, I'm going to talk to you on this thought that I've entitled, Ready to Fly. Ready to fly. Let's all pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day and we thank you, God, for what your spirit is doing in this place. God, your word is already anointed, so I pray now that you would cover me to speak, Lord, with the authority that your Holy Spirit commands. Father, I pray that you open up every heart, every mind, and our hearts to hear what your spirit is saying. God, we believe that you are speaking. I pray that we would lean in and hear you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one more time. You may be seated, ready to fly. What I've loved about this series is some of our some of our youth have felt very equipped, and I love that they're listening. I had some mom and dads tell me, you know, my kids, they've been repeating to me some of the things you've been preaching on. Last week, we talked about five things you shouldn't do to provide internal motivation to your child five things you shouldn't do. Again, if you miss it, go catch it. But these kids were reminding mom and dad, pastor said, you're not supposed to. Hey, pastor said. And you know what? As as, as funny as it is, I'm here for it because I want your children leaning in. I want your kids listening. And so so today, I'm going to give you six things that you need to do to motivate your child. Six things. So we got a lot. Get ready to take some notes. If you're not taking notes, you really ought to. It's a good habit. It's going to help you to internalize these things. So let's get ready to talk about six things that are going to help you motivate your child. Number one, provide a motivational 
environment. Provide a motivational environment. Now, you might be thinking, isn't that redundant? No, no, no. you got to understand that before motivation gets on the inside of them, it has to be around them. That there, there has to be an environment of motivation because if you don't provide an environment of motivation, how in the world is that going to get on the inside of them? Many of you came to church and the spirit was all around you before it finally got in you. But you had to get into an environment in order for the environment to get inside of you. And so mom and dad, what we've got to do is we've got to provide an environment that is motivating to your child. So if your child goes out there and he totally botches a play at the soccer game, here's what not to do. You know, son, if you'd spend less time on Fortnite, you'd be a better soccer player. Like, don't do that. Like, just don't, don't do that. That's, that's not the type of motivational environment that you want to provide for your child. I talked to, and, and, and there's this, this study that was done by the authors Stephen Glenn and Jane Nelson, and they said this, they said, every graduating class from 1963 to 1983, and before you think that's old, don't you dare think that's old young people in the tent, all right? 80s were a good decade, all right? The 90s were better, but the 80s were pretty good too, okay? Where's everyone that was born in the 80s? Make some noise. Okay, so don't be like, you're like, dang, Pastor Josh went dinosaur. No, I did not, all right? My back might say otherwise, but anyway, it's a good decade. So it, it talked about how, you know, people from 63 to 83, they began to see as the generations went on, every generation, they, they were scoring lower in achievement, motivation, and discipline. They were scoring, scoring lower in achievement, motivation, and discipline. And now there was a paradox that, that went with that. In addition to scoring lower there, the Bible, not the Bible, research says that they showed an increase in destructive behaviors. So as motivation came down, destructive behaviors were on the rise, okay? As achievement went down, destructive behaviors were on the rise. And there's this parallel between internal motivation and destructive behavior. Now, now, let me read the Bible to you. Okay, I said the Bible. Let me read the Bible to you. John 10, 10 says it this way. The thief only comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Everybody say destructive behavior. The enemy just brings a whole bunch of destructive behavior and lays it at the life of a young person. But here's what the Bible says. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. I've come that you might have life and that you might have life to the full. And so destructive behavior is the opposite of the life that God intends to have. So as we bring our kids and, and lean them into the things of God, you also want to do the hard work of parenting that's going to put internal motivation on the inside of them. These things work together. The, these things work together. There was a reason. Listen to me, Lighthouse. There was a reason that when the prophet... Sam, Samuel came to Jesse's home to look for the next king of Israel. There was only one son that had the internal motivation to write what is now the book of Psalms, and that was David. I mean, he, he, he wasn't even accepted by his father. Because when the prophet came into the room, he said, I'm here to anoint one of your sons. He's like, here, take Abinadab. He's tall. He's handsome. He's a good warrior. Take him. He's the king. And the Bible records that one by one by one by one, the prophet said, that ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't, that's not the one. God was like, not him. Not him. And then finally, the kid who didn't need anyone to motivate him, but the kid that motivated himself. You see the anointing of God on his life. There's a parallel there. There is a parallel there. And so what we have to do, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, the first thing you want to do, mom and dad, is know the stage. This is kind of a sub point to, to point one. Know the stage of your child. 
because every child goes through these same three stages, all right? Number one, they're in the stage of discovery. From zero to five, they're just trying to discover things, right? Just discover things. And then from six to ten, they are in the stage of testing what they have discovered. If you wondered why your eight-year-old tests you, it's because he's in the stage of testing. He's not broken. And I know you sometimes think he is. She's not broken. And maybe you think she is. She's wired exactly the way God has wired them to test before they get to 10 years old, which is about the time that they draw their own conclusions. And now, like I said a few weeks ago, the happiest people on this planet are 10-year-old kids because they, they have figured things out. They've drawn conclusions. They're just happy as can be until they hit puberty and their whole world is upended. And then the cycle repeats itself, though. It's discovery. It's testing and it's conclusions. And this is why you are struggling with your high school kid because your high school kid is testing. Let me say it differently. It, they are testing you. And so you're struggling and you're mad. And, and, and we, we do the worst thing that a Christian, and so for some reason Christian parents do this worse than everyone else. We do the worst thing that a Christian parent can do and we say, don't test. And God has wired them to test. Don't look. And they're curious. Don't touch. They are wired to test. And I know, like a good parent, but, 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 but pastor, you don't understand. I touched, I tasted, I smoked, I did, and I just don't want them for it. I don't want that for them. I understand that. But they need to test something because that's the way they're wired. So what you need to do is shape what they test, mom and dad, because they need to test. That, that's the way they are wired. They're wired to test. So you need to shape what they test. Allow them, hear me, mom and dad, allow them to question their faith. It's good. It's healthy. You know how many people we got in the church today that are dealing with PTSD because every time they got a question, they got a hit upside the head or they were told no or they were put on timeout or they were grounded and why? Because I said so. Like, like, and part of it is you just don't even know how to explain the Bible to them. Ouch, ouch. I know, I know, yeah, I know. Not you, the other church. 930, 930. But the problem is, is we got a lot of people that are deconstructing their faith. That's the buzzword of the day because they were never allowed to ask questions. They're just testing. They want to know. And listen to me, mom and dad, if you're feeling like, but uh, I, I don't know what to tell them. Then enroll in the Bible college. The application to apply is on Tuesday. We can help you. We can teach you. Okay. So last day to apply. That's my infomercial right there. Last day to apply for the Bible college is on Tuesday. We can come and teach you everything you want to know about the Bible. All right, but, but allow them to test. So, so what you need to do is shape what they test. This is why it's so important for you to, to do the next thing. Expose your children to significant experiences because you want to allow them to test their faith. One of the best things that I could have ever done was go on a missions trip. It, I tested my faith. I went to another country without my mom and dad, and I, and I saw my faith in action. It was like, go evangelize that street block. And I'm like, I don't speak Spanish. Well, then you better speak in tongues. Just figure it out. You know what I mean? It's like, just get out there and do it. And, and we went out there on a missions trip. And mom and dad, you should be looking for experience like this so that your children can test their faith. Because they want to test. And you know what I love? God always does it. We have a couple right now planning a missions trip for 2023. Come on, somebody. So Lighthouse is going on missions next year. And we're going to take uh, as many young people as we can and parents, especially some of you parents that you've never even gone and tested your faith. Test your faith in a good way. All right? And so you want to expose your children to significant. Everybody say significant. I mean, even now I'm having conversations with my children. And we talk about some of the 
dark side of the U.S. history, and there's some dark in there, okay? And, and they don't understand when I share certain things with them, and I, I talk about certain things. I can't, I think it was a picture or something, but it was a, it was, it was a, a picture that, that goes back, back into the, a dark time in our history where there was a water fountain set for colors only. And I remember my, Jude's like, what does that mean? And I had to explain it to him. They, they have questions. And so my goal is to take him to places, actual places where the civil rights movement happened and walk him down the streets of Alabama and say, son, this is where this happened. This is where this happened. Why? I want to shape their learning. I want to shape their testing. And we do that through significant experiences. You guys know that Jesus did this, right? This is exactly what Jesus did. How often do you see Jesus teaching in the temple versus teaching out? side of the temple let me let me read you a passage of scripture it's found in the book of luke and this is an example of how jesus taught outside he was shaping his disciples through outside experiences luke 5 verses 4 through 5 when jesus had finished speaking he said to simon put out in uh, put out into the deep water meaning get in the boat and let's go out to the deep water and i want you to let down your nets for the catch and simon said master we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything but because you say so I will let down the nets. What happens next, Lighthouse? The Bible says they caught so much fish, they had to get another boat to come and help them get all that fish out of the water and onto the land. What was, what was Jesus doing? Shaping their faith through an experience of obedience. Go a little deeper. Let out your nets. Oh, we've already done it. I oh, know, but I'm trying to shape your obedience right now. I'm trying to teach you faith right now. Um, and I'm going to do that in a natural way environment so mom and dad you want to shape their faith and you want to do that through natural experiences i think about this story with my kids i think about my this story with my kids and i've worked hard like many of you to provide my kids a life that is better than the life that my parents have provided me how many mom and dads try to do that right like that's what we all want every every parent a little better just a little better than i had it well well you know my kids have Never rode in public transportation. Come on, raise your hands if you ever had to ride public transportation in your teenage years. I mean, that was just, yeah, see the hands go up. And, and many of us, like, the last thing we want to do is put our kids on public transportation. We're like, no, I did it, so they don't have to do it, right? That's what we do as mom and dad. We're trying to provide a better experience. Well, I'll never forget one summer, my boys wanted to go to Comic-Con. And, they, and where I used to live in Chula Vista, they had just put in the rapid transit corridor, which meant there was a bus, like, like it, this bus was maybe about five blocks from my house. You could catch the bus in East Chula Vista, and it would, in 25 minutes, get you into downtown. So I thought, let's take the kids on the bus. I'll be with them. Let's get on the bus. Let's go to downtown. And we went to Comic-Con, and we had a blast, and then we came back. Here's my point. That summer, I took them to Hawaii, okay? I took them to the island, and we had a great time. Do you want to know what experience they wrote about at the summer, about their favorite moment? Riding the bus. <laughs> the bus. I don't know why I paid for an airplane, why I got the time. It's like, I just should have put them all summer long on the bus every single day. But they're not used to that. It was a new environment. So this, this is what I mean by, by, by we have to expose our children, be intentional about providing them experiences that they may not have. Let me go to point number three here. What else do we need to do to motivate our children? Number three, point them to the future. Point them to the future. One of the things that Jesus, Jesus was great at was taking pain, hurt, and struggle and using it to point a person towards 
their future. There's a passage of scripture here in John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. I'll read it, but let me give you context. They brought to Jesus this woman that had been caught in the act of adultery. How this happened, I don't know. It's a hot mess, okay? But, but they grab this woman who was in the act. They bring her to the feet of Jesus, and it's the religious leaders at the time. They're trying to chat Jesus in his, in his words. They say to him, what does the law say that we should do to this woman? Now, they knew that the law said to stone her. And in that moment, Jesus, I mean, he could juke and jive, and, and, and he, he, could, he can talk his way out of every situation. He said to them, let he who was without sin be the first one to cast a stone. The Bible says they dropped their rocks and they walked away. So now we get to this passage here, this verse where Jesus straightened up, and he asked her, woman, where are they? He's talking about their accusers. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Now watch this. Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. King James says, go now and sin no more. What's he doing? He's pointing her to her future. And, and, and Jesus was great at that, using the brokenness, using the pain, using the struggle, and, and using that to point our children to the future. Hear me, mom and dad. Your children, they're going to bring some pain into your life. Hear me, Lighthouse. Your, your children, they're going to bring some hurt into your homes. And what you've got to do is take all of that and point them to their future. You got to use that experience and point it to, point your child to their future. And you remind them, listen to me, son, daughter, you are a child of God. Be, be, before you were even came into this world, God formed you in the, in the womb of your mother. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper against you. God says that he knows the plans that he has for you. He has plans and, and a hope and a future. And he's got a promise for you. These are things got to speak over your child. When they're in their darkest moments, not when they're behaving. Some of you are like, the only pictures you put on Instagram are when your kids win the awards at school. And I get that. We celebrate that. But the same effort and energy you put into celebrating them is the same energy and effort you need to put into correcting them when they veer off. There's a pastor who tells the story about how his son, the night before Easter, okay, Sunday, the Saturday night before Easter Sunday, pastor of one of the largest churches in the country, he tells a story about how he's in bed, his son's out with friends, and his phone rings. His son got involved in underage drinking the night before Easter, and the sheriff recognized the son and said, oh, that's pastor's son. Picks up the phone, calls pastor, pastor, you want to come on down here, your kid's here, uh, just giving you a call right now, just come get your son. Pastor comes down to get his son. There's a group of boys that were involved in underage drinking, and as he's on his way to where his son is, and they've got his son in one of the sheriff's cars, he sees a dad of another boy that was there, and the dad is just laying into his son. I mean, he is just berating his son. He goes, that is it. You are getting shipped out to military school. I am so sick and tired. And he's just going in front of everyone, just, just laying into his son. And in that moment, as the pastor's making his way to where his boy is, something quickened in him. And he knew what I say right now has the power and the potential to change the course of my son's life. So he goes to where his son is, big grin on his face. He smiles. He looks into the back of the sheriff's car and he looks at his son and he says this, son, you have never needed me more than you need me right now. The kid starts crying. Then he says to him, and son, I've never loved you more than I love you right now. And then said, this isn't who you are. 
this, this isn't who you are. And, 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 and through those words, he's correcting. He, he's course correcting the life of his child. And mom and dad, you're going to have to do this forever with your child. It's like bad alignment on a vehicle. Everybody, anyone ever had a car with an alignment issue? You can't take your hands off the wheels because it just started. You know, you're like constantly like, bring it back. You know, you're driving at the 10 and 2 o'clock and it's like this. Anyway, um, so you're like constantly course correcting. Listen to me. That alignment issue is like the sin issue that we all have in our life. When your son is going off alignment, he has a sin issue. And guess what? So do you. And in the same way that our Heavenly Father course corrects you, mom and dad, is the same way you, mom and dad, have to course correct your son. You are the caretaker of God's son or daughter. He has entrusted them into your care. And hear me, the same way that your sons frustrate you and the same way that your daughters frustrate you is the same way you frustrate God. When you don't do the things that he asks you to do. When you don't follow his word. You're like, son, I thought I told you. And he's like, that's funny, I thought I told you. (laughs) Didn't I say? And he's like, didn't I say? And so there's a level of grace and mercy with our children that we have got to give them because you need to be aware of the grace and mercy that God has first given to you. But if you're not aware of God's grace and mercy, if you walk around thinking like you're his first cousin, if you walk around thinking that you make no mistakes and you are sinless and there are angels behind, you got wings on your back, listen to me. You're going to miss out on how you can parent your child according to the grace and the mercy that you first received from God. And the same grace and mercy that he's given you is the same grace and mercy that your kids need. And so what, whether you like it or not, mom or dad, whether you like it or not, you are the first image of God that they see. You. They don't see the invisible God, but they see dad. They don't see the invisible God, but they see mom. And, and so how we are talking to them and treating them and raising them, we're impre- we are making an impression of our heavenly father on them until they're old enough to become aware of God and they find God for themselves. But prior to that, prior to that, it's you. Look at your spouse and tell them, it's you, baby. It's you. Just tell them. It's you. It's you. Let me move on from this one. Number four, develop dialogue. Deve- write that down. Develop family dialogue. You need to develop family dialogue. And what I mean by that, write this down, fight both for family time and time alone with your children. Fight for family time, getting everyone together, you're going to get everyone together for a meal. You're going to make it happen. And I know they don't want to do it. It's like every family comes home and it's like mom goes to the kitchen. Son goes to the backyard. Daughter goes to the bedroom. And dad goes to the garage. It's like everyone comes home and everyone scatters. And instead of, instead of being intentional about being together, everyone's just gone. Oh, she'll eat in her room. No, she will not. The devil is a liar. You bring her out to the dining table and you eat a meal as a family. There's so much science that I don't even have time to get into that talks about the health of the family doing life together. And I know there's a lot going on and there's soccer games and there's club sports and dad's involved in a fantasy football league, whatever. But like you, you gotta, you gotta fight for family time. You have to fight for family time. And then you gotta fight for alone time with your children and get a dialogue going with them. 
I've shared this story with you all, but my son Jaden, we're, we're, we're a little different. And, 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 and the way that his makeup is, is a little different than my makeup. He's got a, a much stronger bend to the creative than I had growing up. And so a, a, a few years ago, he got really into Marvel, like really into Marvel, the MCU. And he deep dives on that stuff, lots of videos. And he, he, he knows a lot about what's coming next. And this is coming up. And I'm more of a Denzel Washington kind of guy, okay? I'll share that with you all. I love a good Denzel Washington movie. I'm not trying to watch Thor, okay? Superheroes in spandex, I'm out. You know, so I'm like, I'm not, I'm good. I, I'm good. I don't need that in my life right now. But I realized how much my son loved it. And so I had to surrender my preference to spend time with my boy and develop a dialogue with him. And, and family, I'm in it. I'm deep diving. I mean, I, I cried when I saw that Wakanda Forever trailer. I was like, oh, God. this man an Oscar. It's amazing, you know. I've gotten so sucked into it. But, but I was trying to develop my relationship with my son. And you do it on their level. You have to go to their level. Now, now you get to, the older they get, the more you get to pull them back. You get, to, you get to pull them back into your world, and you want to bring them into your world. But mom and dad, you've got to go into their world first. They don't even know how to get into your world, and especially if your world's, like, confusing. You know what I mean? It's like, like you've got to get into their world. But then eventually, you can bring them into your world. I'm going to just pick on Pastor Joe for a minute. Um, Pastor Joe, he's got kids that, you know, one's already in college, and, and one is pretty soon he'll be out in college. But I've seen him do this with his children, the amount of time that he invested into them, being a great dad. But then, as I got a little older, he brought them into the garage and started tinkering with the Jeeps. And if you know Pastor Joe and his boys, they love their Jeeps. But, but it started with the investment that he made into them. And the older they got, then he was able to bring them into his world and say, hey, come help me work on the Jeep. Now his boys all love the Jeeps. They all got a Jeep. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. They, at five years old, they weren't like tinkering with Jeeps, but you make the investment. You develop that dialogue. Here's a saying I wrote, uh, here's a phrase that I wrote down. Don't keep up the house at the expense of keeping up the home. Don't keep, because so many times we're so busy trying to keep a clean house. And I don't know what it is, but sometimes we got, I know I just set some people free right there. They're just like, my God. Just because a home is clean doesn't mean the kids are all right. And sometimes parents are like, clean house, clean kids. No, no, they, they you know, and, and, and it's not just that. Sometimes, mom and dad, you're so busy giving your, giving your kids stuff, things that you never had, and what they really want is you. You give them stuff, and they're like, I don't want stuff. I got stuff. What I really need, dad, is I need you. Come play ball with me. Come throw the ball with me. Come play catch with me. Come do this with me. Come do that with me. Just, just last Sunday, last Sunday, my, my middle child, he is active, very active. I said, son, let's go throw the ball around. So we, we went outside, and we're just throwing the ball around. And um, this is a, there was a gentleman from the company that he used to work with, uh, Northrop Grumman. I saw him walking his dog. I had seen him a couple of times. I'm like, man, I got to really stop him. His name is Steve. I got to stop Steve. And sure enough, he's walking his dog, and I'm throwing the ball with Jude. I'm like, Steve. He's like, where do I know you from? Northrop Grumman. We worked together. I mean, I haven't worked there in almost 10 years. I'm like, Northrop Grumman worked together. He goes, oh, my God. Josh, of course I remember you. You left to go into the ministry. I'm like, that's me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but I'm playing, I'm playing ball. And it's the weirdest thing. It's just the smallest thing. And he's like, you're such a great dad making time to come out here and play ball with your kiddo. Little did he know. I'm like, I'm trying to tire the sucker out so we can sleep. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, it's, it, it's, it's just stepping into their world, doing things that are meaningful to them. Number five, families, we got to integrate Christian service into your home. Listen to me, mom and dad. You have got to integrate Christian service. We are Christians. We are Jesus followers. 
Let me read a verse for y'all because y'all are like, he's just trying to grow the dream team again. There he goes. Let me read John chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. Jesus on the night that he was arrested. Before they sat down to have dinner, he washes the feet of his disciples. Let me read it to you. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I mean, does it get any more black and white than that? Jesus said, I have set an example. And just as I have done, you should do. Verily I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. Everybody say blessed. If you do them. If you do, do them. Not watch other people do them. Man, that setup team, man, they sure work hard. Do them. Man, that dream team, they still, they, they, sure, they sure do serve really hard. The second, my son, when he finished on L Kids, well, as soon as he was done, I said, okay, Jaden, you're going to big boy church now. You're coming into the tent. Where do you want to surf? And so he serves. My son is controlling all the screens. Just give it a round of applause. My, my 12-year-old making all the screens go today. And uh, I let him know. I said, son, just, you're out. And so you got to have to join the dream team. And we found something that he loves to do. And he's been killing it. He's been crushing it. Did a phenomenal job. And, and he's always been great with technology. So he found a spot and he's been serving. But listen to me, mom and dad. You, you, you teach your children. We serve. We serve. Not, not just in the church. We serve at work. We serve others who are less fortunate. We serve. This is what we do as Jesus followers. We're, 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 we're not a group of people who feel entitled because we have received the forgiveness of God, but because we feel receive the forgiveness of God, we go and we serve others who need to find that same forgiveness. So you, you model it, mom and dad. You don't just tell them, go serve. Like, you model it to them. You, you show it to them. And, and, and you, 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 you bring them into this. Everyone together, moving the kingdom of God forward serving others we are servant leaders here in our household you tell them that and you model it because here's the deal if you're too big to serve you are much too small to lead if you are too big to serve you are much too small to lead and i'm talking about lead at work lead at home lead in your family i mean just like if, if it's just like i'm, I'm just I'm not gonna do it I'm just too big for it well that's a hard check jesus literally says i've set an example go and do it and so you find a way to integrate this you know, I was reading this book, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek, and he talks about the 12-step recovery program, and I'm coming to a close now. In Alcoholics Anonymous, they have 12 steps to sobriety, okay, 12 steps. Now, they say if you make it to the 12th step, the likelihood of you going back, I mean, the chances are great. Like, like you, you, you're not coming back if you can get to step 12. Do you want to know what step 12 is? Step 12 is now that you have lived a life of sobriety, your responsibility on the 12th step of the 12-step program is to go and find someone who is struggling with the disease of alcoholism and you help them to receive the same freedom that you've received. Guys, th th that it's service unto others. That, that's the highest, the highest step of the 12-step program. The, the highest place you can get is to serve other people. You serve other people, you're not going back. There are a lot of people that don't want to get to that step right there. Anything but that. I don't even like people. <laughs> you have some people like, I hate people. I love Jesus, but I hate people. Whoa. 
you know a different Jesus than I know, okay? So it's like, you, you get to that 12 step and 12 step is all about service unto others. And for those that get there, they're able to remain sober because they're now living their life to serve other people. Isn't that amazing, Lighthouse Church? And that's just what Jesus, that's what Jesus modeled to us and said, now go and do this. And I love, I love it when the secular world borrows from the scriptures because they know this stuff works. And too many times, we, we're, we don't go into the scriptures. Do you think it's not cool, not relevant? You don't even realize how much the secular world borrows from scriptures. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. Let me, let me give it number six. Everybody say number six. All right. Wait, can I just say one more thing about that? Did you know that serving other people, your body will naturally produce oxytocin? As you serve other people, hear me. As you serve other people, science has shown that your body will start to produce healthy oxytocin. People get hooked on a drug that they can, uh, just to get a fix on something they can do by serving other people. Isn't that insane? It's like a friend of mine that thought that he was getting all depressed. I'm like, tell me about your life. Dude, you're sedentary. I bought him running shoes. I'm like, go be free, run. As he ran, the, the dopamine and serotonin began to go and all of a sudden depression began to go away. It's like, dude, you didn't need medication. You just needed to run and let your body produce the natural chemicals that comes with it. In the same way, your body will produce healthy oxytocin as you serve other people. Might help with some of the stuff you're going through. Might help just by serving other people. All right, here's the last thing, number six, number six. I'm gonna close on this. Always give heavy doses of encouragement. Always give heavy doses of encouragement. You might be thinking, Pastor Josh, I mean, that just seems so basic, is it? Here's the thing. Heavy, heavy doses of encouragement, I believe, comes from a place when you have encouragement to give. And so many of us are living our lives on empty. And we don't have anything to give our kids because there's nothing in us to give them. There's nothing in us to give them. You can't give your son joy if you don't first have joy. It's hard for you to give peace if you got all kinds of stuff happening in your life. It's hard to encourage your son when you yourself are not encouraged. I was talking with Zach a little more. If you guys missed last Sunday's sermon, I had a bow up here. I had an arrow. It was a Hunger Games up here. I was doing all kinds of this. Or Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Marvel. Stick with Marvel. I had a lot going on up here. But he was so excited after church. He goes, Pastor Josh, can, can I tell you one more thing about what you need to do to fire off an arrow right? He said, you know, if, if you get up in the morning and you go and try and launch an arrow and you're not warmed up, you're not going to be able to pull that bow back with the amount of force that you need to launch that out and he was getting fired up talking about it, it started firing me up too I said i love that i see it because have you ever seen a boxer go into the boxing ring or mma guy a fighter going into the ring they never go in cold you see them with like sweat dripping off their forehead beads of sweat and they're they're warmed up when i used to do triathlons back when i used to but anyway um i i we i would always run a mile before the race even started I was about to go and do a, a long race, and I'm like, let's go run a mile. And some, some people that I would help coach, I'm like, you got to warm up. I have to warm up for the race. Yes, the last thing you want to do is go into your race cold. You have to be warmed up. You want to be sweating before the race starts because trying to race from a very neutral place, you're going to get sick. You're going to run out of breath. You're going to get into your anabolic threshold very fast. You got to warm up, ease into the race. You're wondering, what in the world's got to do with anything? Listen to me, Lighthouse. 
You have got to be so full with the power of the Holy Spirit every single day because you've got to be warmed up to raise your children. When your kids get up in the morning, you have got to be up before them already in your word, already in prayer, already having a conversation with God. The Bible says that in Acts 2, they were baptized with the Spirit and with fire and in the same way you have got to be so full of the holy spirit that you have something to give your children listen to me it's a naive for me to think and for you to think well if i just do all 11 things that pastor says everything's going to be okay no 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 listen those are handles those are things that are going to help you but this one thing is the one thing you can't do you should not try to parent your kid without the help of the holy spirit you should not try to raise your children without the help of the Holy Spirit. And you've got a helper. The Bible says he is your helper. And so you have got to get so full of the Holy Spirit that you've got something to give. You've got something to say. You can go and impact your sons and your daughters. But listen to me, mom and dad. Don't go into your day cold. Don't go into it cold. You don't know what kind of demon your son's going to wake up with. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But... You've got to be so full of the Spirit of God to be successful at raising your children. And that is available to you. I love this passage of Scripture here. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Here's the kicker right here. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Listen, you have got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. You have got to learn to fire yourself up in the Lord. You've got to be so full of encouragement that you've got encouragement to give to your son or daughter. So mom and dad, we've got to buy into this. This quiet time is not just a necessity for you, but it's a necessity for your children. You cannot give your children what you do not have. And if you do not have it, go and get it everything every promise every word that god has said is for you it is for you but it is up to you and go and get it let me lead you in prayer right now we're going to get ready to worship but i just want to pray over you father in the name of jesus i thank you for every mom thank you for every dad every person hoping to be a parent every aunt uncle grandparent god your word is for everyone and even if the word feels out of season, God, there's a truth there that we can take, grab, live, and apply to our lives. Right now, I just pray in the name of Jesus that we would all make a decision to be filled with your spirit. That we would all make a decision to burn, Father, with the power of your Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things we can do to be better parents, but there's one thing we can't afford not to do. We cannot afford to do it without you we cannot afford to parent without your spirit we cannot afford to parent without your presence in our lives so god i pray that you light a passion in us if there isn't a passion that we would be so full of your presence every single day seeking you every single day being transformed into the image of your son every single day god getting so full that i have something to give my sons that I have something to give my daughters in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. 
or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.